first decade of my life was spent in Houston, Texas, or most of it was anyway. And uh, so that decade of the 1960s was a time in American life, at least, where there was much upheaval and turmoil socially, but it was a great progress scientifically because that was the decade that we began our push to put a man on the moon. And so living in Houston during that time frame put us uh, almost at ground zero as it related to the space industry and NASA being close by the Houston area. And then on top of that, I had an uncle who was part of the uh, space community, if you will. He worked in communications and uh, was part of all those Apollo's missions and all of that stuff from his vantage point. So space and that push in American uh, history was a big part of our lives. And so, as many other young boys in that area, I was fascinated with that space industry and the progress that was being made there. And so my parents got me um, an action figure. You know what the difference between, well, never mind. I'll just tell you this. I had a friend of mine later told me that that was not an action figure. It was a doll. And I was deeply offended by that. And I lived in that time when those kind of things were clearly, boys didn't play with dolls. And uh, I said, it's an action figure. He said, whatever, it's a doll. Um, anybody remember Major Matt Mason action figures? They were like G.I. Joe action figures, except they were, or Major Matt Mason was an astronaut. And so I had all of the stuff that comes with that, you know, the, the little toys that you put his, the doll in, action figure in, and, you know, you go across the moonscape and all of that stuff. It was a big part of my childhood. And during those times, I was so fascinated, as many of us were as a country, that watching those news reports of various space missions and uh, even into the 70s and then into the 80s with the, um, the space shuttle program and then space station, uh, I want to take you to those pictures, whether off the Internet or maybe that you saw on live TV at the time. But when those astronauts would do spacewalks, they would have this, this umbilical cord, if you will, a tether that would connect them with the spaceship in one way or another. And that umbilical cord, that tether, did, a, did several things for them, one of which was to make sure they didn't just go flying off into space. It kept them tied in, but it also kept a flow of oxygen and those kind of things with them. I, I want to start with that mental image because I want to bring it into the spiritual point of reference to say that maturing disciples are tethered, connected to God through Jesus Christ. Now, that's where we start, but let me come back and give you a working definition for this word tethered. It means, essentially, something that is tied to something or someone else. Down in South Texas, where we lived for 20 years, uh, from time to time we would go out towards Laredo, but way back up in the bad country, if you will, in a lot of space without a whole lot of 
uh, population out there. And there was a, a spot there if you drove an hour and a half or two from where we lived that you could look down across the southern border and you could see uh, balloons that were tethered to the ground and they were used to run surveillance over that bad empty space out there where a lot of uh, drug smuggling came across. Maybe we have those balloons that are out here. I just hadn't seen any of them yet. But those balloons were connected to, were tethered to the ground and they were used for surveillance. So again, what I want to say is today as we begin and take another step into our series about what the DNA of a disciple is, is this truth. We must be, if we're to be maturing, growing disciples of Jesus Christ, we must be tethered, connected to God through Him. This fits our second character trait, marker, if you will, of what a disciple of Jesus Christ is. I take this from our Vision Task Force report. When we identify the second trait of a maturing disciple to be, First Baptist Church should seek to develop disciples who apply biblical principles in every facet of their personal lives. One more time. We state in that document that First Baptist Church should seek to develop disciples who apply biblical principles in every facet of their personal lives. That sounds great. It is a great statement and a great uh, objective towards which we push. But what does it mean? And especially, how does that get down into our hands and feet in daily living. Go with me to the book of Proverbs this morning. Proverbs chapter 3 is the text for the day. will only be in two different verses, but those two verses provide a base point for us and something of an explanation for what it means to be tethered to God, to apply biblical principles in every part of our daily lives. Proverbs chapter 3, and I read verses 5 and 6 where the Proverbs writer says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. One of the hardest passages a pastor can ever preach on is a passage that everybody knows and everybody's very familiar with. And this is one of those passages. Just a couple of weeks ago, our deacons uh, gave me uh, a walking stick that's mounted, and the plaque underneath it has these two verses. It is a well-known and wonderful passage of Scripture. But what does it mean? And how do we unpack that into our daily lives? There are several components. I just kind of want to walk through it briefly this morning and highlight a few things that will help us to be those disciples who are tethered to God and who live our lives in such a way that we apply biblical principles every day. The first few words in verse 5 are the words that say, trust in the Lord with all your heart. That word trust is interesting. It means literally to get connected That's why I used the tether uh, analogy with us this morning, but let me use a different analogy to help drive this home for us because one of the biggest struggles that we tend to have in the Christian life is maintaining good connectivity with God. So, 
a few weeks ago, you may have noticed if you called in and tried to get a hold of any of us here at the church that we had phone problems. The reality is you probably didn't notice that, did not notice that, because Ricky uh, Gum, who is our business manager here, did a wonderful job, and then one of our employees was willing for us to take every incoming phone call to the church and send it to her cell phone. Now, so if you called within the last two or three weeks and you didn't know that was going on, that's what was going on. And the reason that we had that problem is because we needed to change carriers in our telephone provider, and the uh, telephone provider did us this wonderful uh, favor by immediately cutting us off before we were ready to go to the new place. And then it was going to be in one uh, at first, it was going to be a month, and then it was going to be two months before we could get it all reconnected. And so, that was a problem for us. The point I want you to get from that is that when you use your cell phone, or if you're old school, like really old school, and you have a landline at your house, when you pick up a phone and it makes connection to another phone, that is in a sense being tethered together. The word that we have here, trust in the Lord, is a word that essentially means get connected. Now, there's more to it than just that, but let me just stop for a moment and ask you, how's that going for you in your spiritual life? How connected are you with God today? I think I'm not alone in this and that is that there are times in my life that I feel much more connected, much better connected with God than I am at other times. Now, that's not the way it's supposed to be. That seems to be the practical way that it kind of fleshes itself out in our everyday lives, to be connected, to be tethered. The word trust in the Lord is another way of saying be attached to, attach yourself to the Lord in all of this. But there's a little nuance to that word here. Most of the time when we talk about trust, and especially trust in the Lord, um, we, we kind of make it this mental exercise. And that, that is where we kind of convince ourselves that I have, to, I have to trust him, which means I have to believe him, and in believing him, I make the decision not to trust somebody or something else. As a youth minister many, many moons ago now, we used to practice those uh, trust exercises, you know, where you tell somebody just fall backwards and your friends will catch you. <laughs> how would your friends, how do you trust your friends to catch you on that? Even the ones that like me, I'm not sure could really catch me anymore, so I'm not too sure about that as a picture. But we did that to help teenagers realize that we make a decision to either trust or not trust. Teresa's dog, I wouldn't want a sermon to get by without me talking about her dog again, but this dog is seven months old, something like that, and we've had to teach her to trust us. Now, sometimes she does not. And so when Teresa last night went to get her and get her into her uh, sleeping quarters, Teresa reached down to get her, and her dog jumped back and stood and looked at her. I was on the other side of the room, and I thought, I'm going to watch this too because this sounds like it might be good. And it became a test of wills. Will the dog allow Teresa to get her? 
It was a trust thing for the dog because she knew she was about to get locked up, incarcerated for the night. The truth is that each of us attaches our trust to something or someone. The question is, to what or to whom have you attached your trust today? Trust in the Lord, he says. The nuance of that, the little twist on that word is that trust here, the one that's used here is not the normal cognitive, intellectual, uh, volitional kind of decision that you make. This is a word that grows. It's really in the New Testament. They take this Hebrew word and tend to uh, translate it as hope. Not not wishful thinking hope. We've been through this before. Not that wishful thinking uh, kind of hope, but that one that is confident based on the revealed Word of God. That's this word. Attach yourself with confidence because of God's character. It's, it's less the volitional, do I trust him not to hurt me? It's more that, that, that part that says, I know that I can trust him that way. And so my decision is to find my confidence in him. What, in this life, what gets your confidence? Is it your education? Do you believe because you went to a particular school and got a particular degree that automatically is going to make things okay for you going forward? Do you believe that because you have X number of dollars in a bank somewhere or in stocks somewhere that you're going to be okay because that's where your confidence is, where your trust is? Do you trust People? Is that where you find your confidence, that you have these people to whom you have attached yourself? To whom or to what are you attached at the level that it brings you confidence in life? This is a very pointed kind of a statement that he makes. It's a, it's a charge that says you, you, you attach yourself to God. Are you tethered to him? Then he says something else that helps to draw this down even more intensely for us. He says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. There are two different words in this that really demand our attention. I'll give them quickly because they seem to be self-evident, but not always for us. Sometimes we struggle with the the, uh, degree of trust that we will give God. And so there's two words here that help us with that. The first one is with all of your heart. Second word is heart. All, now I checked this out. You know what the Hebrew word for all means? All. Amazing how that works, isn't it? Attach yourself, all of yourself, not just a piece of you. Not, not just, in other words, this is not just that thing that says, well, it's Sunday, so I'm going to take that, that religious part of me and I'm going to go operate in that religious part of me for a few hours on Sunday morning, and then I'll get back to my real life. That's not all. That's some. So, so he starts with that, trusting the Lord with 
all, and then he uses the word heart. And the word heart is this, this compilation kind of a word. It, it's, it's the combined part of you, who you are. In the Old Testament, when this word is used, it is usually used to say it is all of your emotional life, all of your intellectual life, all of your volitional life. It's all parts of who you are at the very deepest level of who you are, and they all come together to work in unison. So what he's done here is poetically, he's, he's put these two concepts side by side. Part of the way doesn't cut it. It's got to be all of who you are. And this begins to kind of pick, uh, show you why I chose this passage for that trait as we're preaching through these different character traits of a disciple. Because this is that character trait that says that we as maturing disciples will, will use, uh, apply all of ourselves who apply biblical principles in every facet of their personal lives. That's this little word choice that he makes. So before I move off of the obvious, let's wear the obvious. Is that true of you? Do, do you model just what we've seen so far in this passage? Or do you have that struggle, that, that part of who you are that likes to be in charge keeps pushing itself to the, to the surface? That part that says, I'll be in charge. I'll do this. Do you struggle with that part? Well, let's keep going because we'll have a chance to ask that question again. A summary of what we've seen so far essentially is this, that the proverb writer instructs us to attach ourselves to God, all of ourselves at the deepest part of ourselves. Is there any part of your life right now where God is not king? had a friend who used what I, I think is a twist on an ancient church uh, analogy. Uh, Teresa of Avila, I think, is the one who first used this, but uh, it's the idea of a house. So let's just let you picture your home wherever you live, and if Jesus shows up, according to the way my friend told this, if Jesus were to show up at the front door of your life and say, hey, I would like to come in, uh, the first question is, would you let him in? And most of us in here, not all of us, I'm sure, but most of us would say, well, yeah, I invited him into my life a long time ago. But that whole relationship begins with an invitation. He says, I'm standing at the door knocking, and I sure would like to come give you life and forgiveness of sin and all of those things. And he's standing there, so have you, would you invite him in? So the, once you get him in, what's next for you? In our house, there's kind of a little hallway uh, with one wall blown out, and so that's where Teresa's piano is, and it's got to look out the front door. If Jesus came into my life, into my house, would I make him stand in that entryway, or would I let him deeper into the house where my living room is? What would you do? How far does he get in? Does he get all the way into the kitchen? Does he get into the bedrooms? And if he were to say to you at that deepest part of your life, you let him all the way into those big rooms, but he says, I want to know what's in that closet. And as he reaches for the door handle, would you say you're welcome in or no, that's mine, no entry permitted? Is there a part of your life that effectively is off limits for God? If there is, then you hadn't quite got to the point that the proverb writer is pushing us to. 
Connect with God. Be tethered to Him at the deepest part of who you are. The next phrase that we have is the latter part of verse 5, and it's the one that says, and do not lean on your own understanding. Now, this one uh, just takes what we just heard and it pushes it even further out, or deeper maybe is a better way to say that. Do not lean on your own understanding. Now, it's an interesting way he writes this because in English what we see here is that first part is a direct command. There's authoritative push behind it trust in the Lord. But now, the way the writer puts this out is he softens that to pleading. It's, the, it's, it's almost that request that is laced with energy that says, please do this. Don't avoid this. Do this, trust in the Lord, and then don't lean on your own understanding. But that second part is kind of a pleading. Please don't, please don't try to go it alone. Let me see if I can illustrate that word for you a little bit. I, about four years ago, uh, I hadn't gone back to check the exact calendar on it, but about four years ago, I had uh, a neurological condition that set in on me. Some of you are going, well, that explains a lot, actually. Um, <laughs> but this was a neurological condition that uh, affected one of my legs, and so, um, as it progressed, it, it first of all just started off as it's kind of a, uh, the best way to say it is when you see our guitar players here pluck a guitar string, if you are up close watching it, you could see that guitar string vibrate. That's where the sound comes from. And, uh, and so, that nerve that ran down through my leg uh, all the time felt like that nerve was just being plucked like that. And so, it was, it was a bit... Uh, of an inconvenience at that point, but it wasn't the end of the world. And then that vibration of that nerve became intense pain. And then as that progressed with me, I began to lose function in that leg. And so I, many times I would be standing in the church office when that was going on, and all of a sudden my leg would essentially would say, uh, we're taking a break. And i totally lose feeling in it except for the pain. I couldn't control it, and I would just collapse. And if I wasn't standing near something that I could grab a hold of, I would be down on the floor. And that progressed, and as I was walking many times, my leg would just stop functioning, uh, and I would fall to the floor. And so I began to have to walk with a cane. I had to preach sitting in a chair because I couldn't trust my leg to hold me up through one of these two-and-a-half-hour-long sermons. And through all of that, there, I, I had to have things. Everywhere I went, I had to have something that I could hold on to, that I could lean on, because I could not trust my leg to do its job. That's this word. But here he uses it in a negative connotation. Don't lean well, it's, that's not the complete statement, right? He doesn't say just don't lean. He says don't lean on your own understanding. The word understanding there means discernment. It is the word picture that he puts together for us. The positive side is trust in God, be connected to him in every part of who you are. That's verse 5. But he comes back behind that. He says, but don't lean on, don't trust 
yourself. Well, he doesn't really say it that way, but that's kind of what he means. Don't lean on your own understanding. That's hard for us. I would say that's extremely hard for us because we like our understanding. Well, I like mine. I'm not so sure I like yours sometimes, but I like mine. That's really kind of each of us. You know, I, I, I suspect through the years, um, I, I don't know how many hours I've spent in marriage counseling. Not mine, but count, counseling other people. <laughs> Some of you went. <laughs> I, I don't think in all of the hours of marriage counseling that I've done through the years, I don't think I've ever sat in one of those things where this one thing was not there. In other words, across the board, this one component has always been part of marriage counseling I've done. You know what it is? No, I don't want you throwing elbows, okay? If you're sitting by your spouse, just file it away, okay? Every marriage counseling session that I've done has a component in it that's across the board, and that is one of those two people, usually both, are really fond of their thoughts and their opinions. Pastor, she just won't see it my way. Pastor, he's a jerk. Okay, we all knew that. What do you mean? Well, he just, it's got to be his way. Now, that package comes in any number of different colored paper. It's always the same deal. There is this mutual standoff about who gets to make the decision about what's right and what we're going to do. That's what he's talking about here. I'll say that a different way. My dad used to say it this way. Well, it's only my opinion but I'm really fond of my opinion. Most of us are that way. The reason we're that way is because we have this sin nature. That part of us, the sin nature that says, I'll be God, I will be in control, I will do this. I'll do it my way, I'll do it in my time, and if I run up against something that I can't do my way or in my time, then I might even ask God to help me to get it my way and my time, but it still has to be my way and my time. That's our sin nature. And it comes out of that desire to be God, to be in control. And it's the part that has to be healed by God because we can't heal ourselves with that. And so sin breaks us down at that point, but Jesus Christ steps into the break. And he says, I forgive you for that, and I have a better life for you. But you have to connect with me. You have to be tethered to me. Don't trust yourself. Don't trust your own perspective. Don't trust that. That's what he means here when he says, and lean not on your own understanding. When we are connected to God and when those life struggles, the pressures of life come at us, how are we going to respond to that? Are we going to respond with what we think's right? Or are we going to fall into the arms of Jesus Christ and let him take us through it? You ever play tetherball? You know what tetherball is? 
It's a game I hated because I was shorter than most of my friends. And a tetherball, the whole thing, you know what I'm talking about? It's a ball that's tied to a string. Excuse me. Yeah, tied to a string. And the string then is tied to a pole. And the object is to smack your friend with the ball. No, wait. I'm sorry. That was how my brother and I played. Um, so the whole design of the game of tetherball is to exert enough force to knock the ball the way you want it to go, and because it's tethered, it will just keep going around and get shorter and shorter, right? Remember that? Right. So sometimes our life is that way. The, the pressures that are exerted on us move us like hitting that ball. And whatever we're tethered to, whatever it is that we're looking to for confidence and for security, that will determine what happens. What this song, uh, proverb writer is saying to us is, be tethered to God. Don't trust yourself. Don't trust your opinion. Don't trust your understanding, your discernment, all of those things, because you cannot see what God tells it to you, where you're going, really. So with that, let me just push you to what Jesus says. Do not lean on your own understanding as Old Testament. Jesus said it this way. If any man would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. In other words, die to yourself. Are you connected to him today? Do you have that personal relationship with him that takes you through life? Or are you, by your own wits, just trying to make it through and blaze a trail? He says finally, verse 6, in all your ways acknowledge him. Talking about roles in life. I have several roles. I'm a husband. I'm a father, I'm a grandfather, I'm a pastor. Uh, I could go on with other things, but that's, you get the idea. So one of the things that we like to do is we kind of play loose with which part of our lives we're going to let him be in charge of. And so the proverb writer says, he fixes that. He says, in all of your ways, in all of your roles, acknowledge him. Let him be the one that takes you through. Live your life centered in the channel of his will for you. And as you do that, he says at the end of that that he will make your paths straight. Life is full of obstacles. God never promises us that he'll remove all obstacles and that, he won't, uh, that we won't have hard times and difficult journeys and all of that. He never promises those things to us. But he does promise that he'll go with us. And he'll take us through. And so the thing that often scares us away from committing our lives to him is that we lose that sense of control that we think we have that plots our journey like we know where we're going. He will make your path straight. That path may be full of ups and downs and a few uh, chug holes along the way, but you never go it alone when you commit yourself to Jesus Christ. So that, that trait that we're talking about is to build our lives in Jesus Christ. 
and in Scripture where, as we talked about the last couple of weeks about prayer and Bible study, that those are the places that we figure out what the will, what His will for us is. And so as we determine every day to live our lives totally committed into that, we have the promise that He will guide us in His way. So how is it with you today? Are you living your life in the center of that channel of God's will? Do you know Jesus in the first place? Those are questions that are fundamental life questions. How will you answer them today? To what and to whom have you attached yourself? Be tethered to God through Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we thank you for your word once again that lays out for us truth that helps us to know how to live. We thank you that Jesus Christ has provided life for us And so if there's anyone here today who doesn't have that personal, real relationship with him, not some religious conviction, not some religious behavior, but a true life-changing experience with Jesus Christ, we pray for those who don't have that, that today would be the day that they meet you through Jesus Christ. Father, many of us have attached ourselves to all kinds of stuff in this life, Some of us have attached ourselves to ourselves, and we think we're the ones who will make it through. Help us to see those things clearly, to surrender them before you, and to be committed to applying biblical principles in our lives in that relationship with you through Jesus Christ every day. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Let's stand and sing. You come.